there are different phrases that you always use whenever you listen to podcasts. It feels like they always start the same way. And mine is always, well, Dave. And so if you go back and you listen to our podcast, almost every one that we've done together starts with something like this. Well, Dave. So that should just be our classic intro. Yeah, it's kind of understated, you know, so, you know and it really doesn't fit. We've tried that uh, a couple of times where I tried to open it and it just doesn't seem to flow with that understated. Well, Dave, uh, See, I've got so all the controls over here. And so yes. I get to hit when the stream starts. I have all the power. Yeah. And so if you just if you started over there, then things just will just fall apart. So this honestly, work. I'm kind of I'm uncomfortable. I'm uncomfortable having the reins of power because you are the veritable technical wizard here. <laughs> and I'm just a knuckle dragon hockey player. So, uh, yeah. Trying man, to make I'm, it through the world of cicadas. Uh, yeah. So crazy. Every 17 years, Cincinnati is attacked. And so if you hear buzzing today, actually, just before we started, I was hearing the buzzing from outside, I thought. And I was like, man, that's awfully loud. And I had one on my back. And I kind of low-key flipped out. Don't tell my kids because I've been telling them to calm down. They will not go outside. And I'm like, they can't do anything to you. They don't bite. I hear they the cure COVID. That's just, just what I've heard. COVID cicadas. The COVID cicadas. Yes. <laughs> oh, dude. Yeah, well, you didn't mention hockey, so you went there. But uh, for all of our listeners who are hockey fans, I think there's probably about three. Yes. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Like, here's the hot take. I almost posted this on social media, which my mom and you would have definitely seen and approved of. But, like, there are no, there are no better playoffs than the NHL playoffs, the grind, the upped physicality, the the angst as teams try to score goals. You can have your World Cup, you can have your NFL playoffs, you can have your NBA playoffs. Nothing compares to playoff hockey. Hot takes and sausage. It's it's true to a point. See, as the older I grow, see, I'm curious to get people's feedback on this again. Sports analogy. So I apologize to all you who are not sports fanatics, um, but. Here's the one thing I just can't take, and it's a great life principle, right? With the NHL, here, here's the problem: they will, they will, they do not adapt to change very well, in my opinion. And so, it's like you have a regular season where you let everything go, or no, where you where you make sure you call everything, get to the playoffs, and then all of a sudden you call everything, and so it's, it becomes like two different worlds. So I I like the aspect of playoff hockey. But there's parts of it that drive me crazy. And so I so guess just the, the older I get, the more pessimistic and frustrated, angry and bitter I become. So so you do you, do you see the playoffs as kind of like Lord of the Flies? They like let everything go. Are you saying they're calling? It yeah. Closely? Yeah. I love see. I love the Lord of the Flies. So the other no, night no, I was see, watching. That's like, it's like socialism then. You're, you're <laughs> leveling the playing field and everyone has the same advantage. And so you can just wrap a guy up in a bear hug. And it doesn't matter, you know, you don't have to have skill. I just, for, I think that's for, crazy. But for those of us that are less skilled than yourself, Brother Ezra, I think it does level the playing field. And I love, I mean, uh, Islanders, Bruins, not to get too deep, but about every, at the conclusion of every play, when the when the puck was either iced or, or frozen, uh, there was some sort of scrum. And there's just a lot of chippiness and uh, I love it. I'll See, I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm there. Just, you know, I guess we'll just have to disagree and, and agree that I'm right and you're wrong. So ah. move, move on from there. Sounds good, dude. We've been doing this now for, I think, if I calculated this right, 17 episodes. Yep. So you went into this, you were a little bit, uh, I don't know, not apprehensive, but what was your state? What was your state of mind going into this? Yes. Yeah, I, I, I mean, we originally said, let's give it two months and see what what happens. Um, I oh, was that what it was? So we, we I passed think, that. I think, I think so. Or am I being punked and fired on air? It's like, <laughs> <laughs> no, but seriously, I, a little bit of trepidation because as you know, I'm a technophobe. So barrier one. So the sunk cost and kind of like plugging everything in. Uh, I just, and, and guys, you would not know the behind the scenes struggles and battles <laughs> that we have gone through to, to bring this to you in, in, well, even just today, HD, right? You just figured this out. Who HD. knew that my yes. camera, there's this thing called high says, definition, Dave. It says HD 1080p, but apparently you have to, I was always thinking like, why is Ez's camera looks so crisp and clean and mine looks like I'm coming in from, uh, 
a third world jungle somewhere. <laughs> it's, it's because I didn't have it on HD. So yeah, I mean yeah. that plus when you, oh, when it's going to blow things, your mind. They have this thing like called 4k. So it's whoa. Yes. <laughs> and 8k like, yeah, I know. So it's, it's crazy. My students make fun of me. I just embrace it. It's just part of <laughs> it. Rather than just like be offended. I'll be like, yeah, that's me. You're right. I, I read books. Yeah. Well, but generally, because I've done this for years now and I just, you know, to a, to a place, I just kind of come to a place where, okay, um, my voice is going to be out there. And I just, you know, we've talked about, we joked about this. I just don't really care. And yeah. you probably do care a lot more than yeah. I do. And many times probably for good reason because <laughs> <laughs> well, i'm the guy like yeah. in our email thread this this morning at church with our like church team i'm the guy that leaves like a sar sarcastic comment that just leaves it open to man might he be serious and so i'm kind of that guy That's whereas so you're you would probably have left the same comment i left but with like smiley face emojis and exclamation points yeah i feel like if i want if i want to say something i just i want to say it in the exact right way at the exact right time and i'm probably too concerned with what people say but here's the deal in our culture you know if we do uh francis chan actually pointed this out preston sprinkle we were talking about that a couple weeks ago but yeah well, in, i want to get actually in, most of them on someday it'd be, it'd be fun i would we'd love it i'd love to hang out with preston sprinkle is like only a few minutes away from where i'm at so yeah you proximity, guys that should together. give us an edge yeah yeah, you guys could do like an in-studio thing. I I would happily step out and uh, allow and allow Preston my. We'll sprinkle uh, in your wisdom here and there. Oh, da -dum -dum but, but, but seriously, but -dum yeah. In an hour, in an hour-long episode that we do, or 40, 50 minutes, whatever it ends up being, one one phrase taken out of context, you know, you, you know, you'll never believe what Harkoff said. He said da 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 da. And maybe people aren't listening that closely and I should just stop freaking out. But I think one of the things that's been an area of growth maybe for me doing this is just being comfortable saying things out loud, even, even if, as we discussed beforehand, even if they aren't fully formed ideas yet. If, if we're kind of exploring a topic or an idea with a guest, just feeling comfortable to say things um, that are maybe are a little more public and not, not have this overreaction and fear that somebody is going to me to the yeah, wall over it yeah because i think we both have just slightly different approaches that's why i bring this up because i think people in our audience might be curious we have slightly different approaches to what it means to manage your uh public voice right i am more of so i've shifted in this where i am more of the type where this is just my personality like ed stetzer he's a he's a person on twitter and he will tweet he he retweets hateful comments that people will tweet about him right so that that's yeah. the kind of guy that that he is and actually i'd love to get him on sometime too um i just think that's hilarious and so i think it's funny um and then and then and so i don't really care yeah from from that perspective um but on the same hand then he gets lamb blasted you know quite quite a bit and there that that comes with it and you would take probably more the cautious approach well, I want to be blasted for stuff that matters, yeah. and I want people, hopefully, if God chooses to use my voice to say something that may be hard to hear, that they can hear it, because I'm not constantly, like, and also, you know, as there's a good segment of the population, like, if it bleeds, it leads, so divisiveness, and it, there are some voices yeah. in the public arena that are constantly stirring up controversy, so that they get clicks and likes and business. Yep. It's a yep. business. And I don't want to sell my voice. Well, and we've guarded either. against that. Yes. We've guarded against that because there's a time or two where we'll think of different people to bring on. And then we always go through that evaluation. Like, okay, so why do they talk? Why do they tweet the way that they tweet? For me, I don't really care if they're more active or they're less active on social media. I, I don't really care about yeah. that. But I do care about how they... So if they, it's, let's take a person that's really active. How do they respond to people that disagree with them? Now, do they interact with them way more than maybe I would? Okay, that's fine. But how do they do that? Do Are they always just sarcastic in a biting way that just yeah, tries I'm to un undermine people and, and basically pull themselves up? That's stuff I watch for when I think of bringing someone on. Well, you and I were talking before the before the show, before the yes. podcast today. Even I've noticed that folks that are very that can be very public and forceful on social media, 
when their voice is needed, for example, in the church, if they are needed to be um, truth in love in person, it seems like they don't have that gear. They're very mm. free to shoot up. And I would actually say... That's a great point, scenes, yeah. You could, you could actually talk to my colleagues. <laughs> Go talk to them. Um, I, I think direct, clear, at the right time in person is very important. And so for me, privately, I strive to be that kind of person. And whether that's... Um, you're, you're not the kind of guy that... Um, you don't see at church on Sunday or you see him at church at Sunday and it's like, Hey, how are you doing? And then you walk out and then you exchange numbers and then you get this like paragraph long text from you. It's like, <laughs> no. Hey, so I ate this for, you know, and you're like, wait, is this the same guy that I just met? Like, like you ever have a relationship like that with yes. someone? And it's actually, I found it a number of times among younger generation. And it's kind of a funny thing. Cause I, I think it's a little bit strange, but on the same hand, whenever that happens, then that it's in, in, in a weird way. I feel like their, their message voice is almost more real than their voice in person because they've grown so accustomed to only interacting that way that again, I don't agree with it, but that's yeah. kind of how they've grown accustomed to interacting. And so that kind of becomes in a weird way, their more true voice in a sense. Yeah, yeah I think so. Yes. So I love Zoom. I, I do a lot of stuff on Zoom. I hate doing Zoom. school on Zoom. Okay, well, I'm saying I see its value. Yeah. But there are some things that can't happen on Zoom. There are some things that can't yeah. happen on a text that shouldn't happen there, that yep. should happen in person. And I know I'm old school, and so I lean that way anyway. So probably some of the things I think have to be done in person probably don't. However, when, I, when I've gotten a... You know, I'll just something completely innocuous. What do you think about transubstantiation? I'm mm. not going to start texting for three hours. Yeah. You know, if it's something that I just won't start nuanced, texting, period. Yeah. 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 Uh, true. <laughs> and but I won't even have a conversation in person with you on that one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But seriously, like if some things do need to be handled in person and you miss some of the nuance and more importantly, like the tone and the just, can you imagine some of the conversations you see on Twitter? That would never happen in person. Some, no, somebody no, would never no, 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 no. And yeah. so that's like the dark side the, to social media that sort of dehumanizes people. I think if you sit in the room, you see another human being created in the image of God, meant to house the fullness of God, in, in some way that changes the conversation that you have. And so... Honestly, that's one of the reasons we do the podcast, right? Is that you bring someone on. We don't just bring them on through like audio, we bring them on video face to face. Okay. So like a classic example. So one of the podcasts we've received the most response from was, uh, Sheila Ray Gugua, uh, her, yeah. her, um, episode on interviewing 20,000 women about sex and relationships and yeah. finding that, um, that men oftentimes, um, they would look at women or they would try to look away from women. And her point was, okay, you need to actually see women for who they are. Now, when we went into that, we weren't really t totally sure because I, I was very open with her. I was like, listen, I disagree with some of your takes on things, um, but I really want to have, and, and my mindset actually just going back, I remember she had posted something on Twitter and I kind of just disagreed with a little bit of the way it was written. Probably 90% of it, I can't even remember what it was, but 90% of it was good. But I just probably disagreed with 10% or something like that. I almost responded with a thread and then I was like, you know what? Why not just have her on in person? And so yeah. when we were able to have her on for what an hour and then talk to her 20 minutes afterwards, yeah. that was way better than just responding quickly. And yeah. it's just funny the difference. I think that conversation more than any of the others that we had has sort of helped me navigate this fear of people thing. Cause I, I mean, we had quite a conversation after we had that interview. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You so for those that don't yeah. know, I was more like, "Let's do it." You were a little bit more, not so much. Why? Because uh, she shared a couple of things. One, one in particular that I thought was like provocative, and that I didn't agree with like at all. Mm -hmm. And so there are these other snippets of the conversation that were fantastic, and because of that one thing, I was fearful of someone kind of editing that out and saying, you know, like what's going on and getting blasted for it. And then, 
you know, we kind of run it through this filter of various people that we trust and value, uh, our spouses for one, and everyone's like, hey, you know, you don't have to agree with everything everyone says for this to be a valuable conversation starter. And because of that, you need to publish this. And women are made in the image of God, and men need to see them as such. They're the sisters in Christ. So anyways, we share this episode fearfully, and wouldn't you know it, more than any, <laughs> shocker, uh, more than any other episode, personal feedback has been overwhelmingly positive. Even people that didn't agree came to me and had conversations about it. I mean, multiple uh, breakfast and lunch meets with, with, with guys, conversate like you know these water cooler conversations around work various students catching me on the street while I'm walking like clearly it was the right thing to do to release that and she had so many good things to say and it would have been um like man fear to not Hmm. put that out and I think that was a big big moment of growth for me just like I don't have to you know when we have these guests on I don't have to embrace everything somebody says that's not in the scriptures like if someone writes a book i there's no way that doesn't contain air right yeah there's one inerrant book if you're an inerrancy person right well i think just being comfortable with that is good it's it's tough this kind of raises another question like how do you quote people how do you interact with people and so like for instance i couldn't quote ravi zacharias anymore in good conscience i just can't because i think the the stigma and everything that comes with that name right now is just just you know, everything that he did, I think I, I just couldn't quote that name, um, regardless of how good the content was. Then I think of people like Tony Robbins, right? He's a motivational speaker and things like that. He, Tony Robbins, I've, I've actually learned some great things from him. Now, I disagree very much so with a lot of his philosophy, but I've learned some things from him. Um, yeah. Joel Osteen, I've learned things from him, but I obviously have profound disagreements. So we could go on down, down the list. And, and here's... I guess kind of the, the mixed point, I, I get tired. I, I feel like there's some times where you do need to clarify, okay, so I'm quoting this person, heads up, don't agree. But on the same hand, I get tired of that because who do I agree with all the time? Yeah. That that And so I think there, there's a balance there of, of knowing sometimes when maybe a disclaimer is in order, but then also kind of the approach that I've taken with this podcast, and it sounds like you take this similar approach, is that you kind of let the chips fall where they lie. So you bring people on that you think genuinely love and serve Jesus. I think that's a big thing. But then realizing, hey, listen, this person might have a different theological structure than than I have. They might um, think about the way that we do church differently. I mean, all number of different things. But if what they have to say causes us to think and has value, then I think it's a worthwhile conversation because... Again, to me, I, I trust people that are watching this to be discerning and yeah. thoughtful through it. Yeah, and, and part of that goes back to when we have somebody on, you know, we're we're doing hopefully some research beforehand to kind of know where the relational landmines would be, where maybe there'd be theological differences. And frankly, for the most part, we don't fight with people just to fight with them. You know, if, if we bring on somebody from a different denominational background or something it it doesn't seem like the yeah we've had numbers of reform people i'm not a reform person so yeah and it's like we agree on so much it doesn't seem necessary to um shoot at their theological perspective Yeah, yeah and i wouldn't want frankly if it's loving others is the goal i wouldn't want them doing that to me or blindsiding me when we're coming on to talk about an interview about something we found so compelling. A lot, a lot of the people that we end up having on, um, you know, a couple weeks, Terry Looper, I read his book, actually I listened to it while painting, so convicted, it was like, man, we should have this guy on. So it's like he has something to say to our audience, we think, and then we just come on and, and shoot with them because they said something in writing or whatever that we might not agree with. That just doesn't seem like a very productive conversation. Yeah, yeah. Biggest surprise that you had getting into this, like after you were into this a few weeks? The public, the difference between this public persona and maybe sometimes what you would think about somebody, you see their, their tweets or their, their, you read their writing and you get them on camera or have a conversation before the podcast and they're just humble and ordinary 
and spirit filled. And I think just seeing uh, the body of Christ uh, from all, in, in all of these different people that we've been privileged to have on, um, I see, it's like every conversation, I was talking to you about this earlier, every conversation, there's just a sentence or two that jump out at me. And usually people come that, that come talk to me about the podcast fairly regularly, they'll say, man, they said this. And I'm like, they did? I didn't even know that. So they, they grabbed something different. But just to hear truth coming from different people within the body um, just has underscored for me, again, the need for Christian community, um, which maybe we'll get to in a little bit, but some of yeah, Adrian everyone Charles. has their unique perspective. Yes, and I re- I really appreciate that. And I think one of the great points of a podcast format that you can't do. So, like on a Sunday morning, again, it's just the nature of it. It's more structured. You don't know who necessarily is in the room, and it's it's just different. And you don't know that with podcasting as well, even even more so. But on a Sunday morning, you're always there's always more. Uh, careful attention. Okay, so who do we want to have on stage? Who do we want to have speak? Do we want to? And I have my own thoughts about that. That I think sometimes we maybe over uh, play that a little bit Another too podcast. too much. Sometimes I think so too. And and but when it comes to um, and just by the way, I shout out real quick to the church that I go to, E three Church. Brian and Jamie Taylor, um, they just do such a phenomenal job. They bring on multiple different speakers. I'm pri- privileged to be one of them, but. Um, and, and he does such a great job of sharing the stage with different people. Yeah. And I've just appreciated that approach so much because it's, um, it's so easy to just want to hog it and, and basically say, okay, I'm going to control this narrative that everyone that comes here is going to speak this narrative. What, and again, I'm not, I don't want to get quite all into that conversation today, but with podcasting, one of the things that I love about that, about this format is that you can bring on people from widely different backgrounds. And you can really have a conversation of substance around things that ordinary people care about. I mean, I, Dave, I just, I just think sometimes from a church platform, we really just lose sight of what ordinary everyday men and women go through nine to five throughout the week. I feel like we lose sight of that so many times and that sometimes the messages that are shared just have Again, it's the whole foundation of the Monday Christian podcast, right? Turning Sunday belief into Monday action. We lose, for whatever reason, uh, maybe it was we haven't walked in their shoes enough or we don't understand their perspective. We lose that, and as a result, I think we lose connection. Yeah, I think one of the things you said there, um, H.P. Charles, a few weeks ago, and when we had him on, I started listening to some of the stuff. That was been one of the great things, too, the resources uh, of the folks that, um, we've had on uh, a habit called faith. Uh, uh, Jen yeah, Jen Pollock, Michelle, Pollock, Michelle who I call Jen My, Pollock. Yeah. Michael. Yes. Yeah, that was. <laughs> but we another just thing. Got know the names of your guests before you bring them on, <laughs> especially if it's yeah. their second time coming on your program. We we uh, we had her book delivered via Amazon. Who knew? They just delivered it right to our door over the weekend, but my wife just got into it. So just getting to these resources, but one of the things that H.B. Charles said in one of his sermons I was listening to, he said, you don't grow up by yourself. Something like this. I don't think I'm butchering. I think it's pretty close. You grow up uh, as part of the body of Christ, the church, the community of faith that the Lord himself Mm. is building up. And I think in this, to, to just hate on contemporary church culture for a second. I said, you said we weren't going there, but just the idea that we're going to have this performance on Sunday and um, maybe not so much follow-up and community throughout the week. I don't know that that mirrors the Acts 242 to 247 model that maybe we saw in the early church. And one of the things that I hope and pray that our podcast is doing is creating a Monday through Saturday, ordinary people doing God's work and by His strength in their lives throughout the week. I think that's the vibe. Hopefully, that this we're creating community. Yeah. We're getting to hear these voices. You know, it's just the basics. I mean, my wife and I've been going through the Chosen series. We enjoy it because it's just kind of a fun thing where you you yeah. you think, okay, that's maybe a perspective of what someone 
in that culture might have gone through every day, whether it's Matthew, the tax collector, or Simon, a fisherman, things like that. And one of the things that's reminded me as I've watched it is that it's just ordinary, everyday men and women, right? Just yeah. doing because they want to be close to Jesus. And so then as they're close to Jesus, then um, that love for Jesus that they have compels them to want to share him with their circle of influence. Sometimes that's fishermen, sometimes that's other tax collectors, right? And uh, okay, hey, I'm going to share a book proposal with you, all right? Um, all right? Over the weekend. Okay, so for those in our audience, you know that sometimes I, I like to write a bit. So this is my next book coming down the, the pike, I think. Um, I was listening to a podcast and the... Uh, um, uh, one of the people on the podcast had Lou Gehrig's disease. And uh, if you know anything about that, it uh, average life expectancy, I believe, is like three to five years. And um, this is Lou Gehrig's disease awareness month, I believe, uh, as well. And so the author was on there. And as I was just listening to them share, I was thinking to myself and I thought, what would I do if I only had three years left to live? How would I think differently? And of course, that ties us directly to Jesus, right? He, you know, 30 and then 33, uh, he dies on the cross. I wrote out seven sentences that might become the foundation for a book. So here's seven resolutions, all right? Bring it. All right, here we go. Uh, I feel like I need to just like have a, a, a drum solo. If I, were, if I were to pastor again, every point I made, I would have a drummer in the background and he would leave with a drum intro for each point. That's so, actually nothing new. There's a lot of churches that incorporate music throughout the pastor's sermon. I thought I was the it's only pretty, one. Pretty sweet. No, nothing new under the sun. Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> give them to me, dude. A little Stephen Furtick for you. Um, resolutions. I would, number one, I would seek to know God so well that heaven felt like a natural transition. Uh, it comes from Dallas Willard, a little thought there. Number two, I would focus on making each moment count with my family. I would find a best friend to do life with. I would train some people to live as I have lived. I would sit with someone who was in pain. I would get connected with as many people in my church as possible and know their names. And I would tell a bunch of people about Jesus. I think wow. if I had three years left, those would be the seven resolutions that uh, stuck out in my mind. And of course, all of those point to the life of Jesus and, and how he lived. Um, and, you know, living with eternity in mind, that's... Yeah, quite a powerful thought. Yeah, it's it seems like easy to I mean, I don't I don't know that you said anything. I'm like in in my head I know that, but to live that out, you know. So what's what's the hardest thing about spending time with the Lord every day? Well, there's all this stuff I have to get done, but when you realize hey, I've got a limited amount of time, the stuff you have to get done son suddenly becomes maybe a little bit less important, and these eternal things suddenly grip you. And yeah, like I think of our friend Dan, um, Dan Glick, you, you know, Dan, I'm sure you watch this podcast every single week, so thank you for that. Um, but I remember him sharing several years ago about how he went through a time in his life where he almost lost his life. And he, the one thing is he was laying in his hospital bed, he shared, he said, um, he said, during that time, he said, God, if you allow me to come out of this, I promise I'll spend more time in prayer. And that statement always stuck with me. And another one from Dallas Willard, where someone was talking to him before he passed away. And he said, what do you think heaven is going to be like? And he thought, and he said, I feel like it'll just be a continuation. And he said, I don't know if when I wake up, I'll know that I'm there. Something to that effect. Mm, yeah. And I, and I thought to myself, I mean, I'm not there. I feel like I'm not close to being there in a lot of ways. Um, but another one from Tim Keller. So Tim Keller was diagnosed with cancer, uh, I think it was about a year yeah. ago. Yep. And when he was diagnosed with cancer, uh, two things, let's see if I can get these right, um, that he sensed God saying to him was um, focus and sanctification. That if you only have a couple years left, you're not saying yes to every pod podcast request you're focusing in on the things in life that really matter. And then sanctification that he sends God saying, Hey, listen, if I just took you right now, there's still things in your life that I want to work and develop in and that haven't grown to fruition that, that I want to change in you before coming to heaven. And those two just really grabbed me because I think I, I'm 32, just turned 32. Right. It's yeah. so easy. I, I, I feel like, I don't know what your perspective is because you're so much older, 
but like <laughs> shots fired yeah the thought of eternity like it feels like each year i get older i just realize man i have so much less time to live like i i remember what it was like to be 10 and just feel like it, it would be ever or like forever before i died but now you just kind of think oh man like i'm only here for a few more years and then i'm gone and so like i want to do things that matter yeah i think there's a some of the greatest faith moments hmm. you know james james four thirteen. for what is your life it's like a morning mist a fog a vapor whatever translation but to really believe that um when there's so much like distracting us in the here and now to yep i think it was it dane orton that, that was talking about those moments in the morning to sort of reorient himself to the assurance of god's love and also to eternal things i think there's we are called to sort of see the unseen as it were you know yeah that, and that takes a tremendous amount of faith and i don't i don't know how you live that kind of life two things connected to god but also connected to the body i was struck by the list that you gave how many of those were connected to other people in the community of faith and, that, and i think, I that think goes back specifically to, the church dave i think specifically yeah. the church that this is my, my take that we are increasingly in western culture we are very identity is everything to us and yeah. how what impact am i having in the world how am i making a difference how am i you know it's all about i right yeah and for we just lose sight we just lose sight of that god created us to be in connection with other people and that that is the healthiest way that we're going to grow and, and thrive like sorry to cut you off but that's just something no, that no, really think, i've been thinking a lot about uh, some of the you know if you think about baptism for example in in the way that maybe i've seen it done which baptism is awesome however it happens yeah we just had one a couple weeks ago at our church it's, okay it's, it's awesome. but it tend the the emphasis can tend to be on this person's personal decision and rather than also or to the neglect of this idea that I am being baptized into the community of faith. Like we are now, that's like the, we are now part of the body, this, this visible sign that we are part of this one loaf, first Corinthians 10, yep. 17. And even, you know, the idea of reading scripture for ourselves we don't read scripture for ourselves. We read it by ourselves sometimes. Yep. But we oh. all we read it in the context of community. We participate in the Lord's Supper. It's community oriented, and I think that I, I want to grow so badly, but like HB said, I don't grow apart from the body. I need your gifts. I need your you know that these purpose of these spiritual gifts, so we grow the body, so that we're not tossed to and fro. Right. So. Dave, Sorry, my next so blog blocks. post that I'm going to write that's no doubt going to change the world. Um, it, <laughs> no doubt. A blog no, post. No doubt, no doubt. yes. Um, is, is the best way to leave a church. How, how do I best leave a church? And I say this not with any, I have no person in mind as I say this. Um, but through COVID, we have seen so much transition from church to church. We, I mean, just you look at the numbers, I think in Barna and different research groups have done, it is crazy. I've seen it around here where I live in Idaho, just story after story of, well, I didn't like how my church handled COVID. So we left and we moved and we went to this church. I've seen that over and over and over again. And here, here's my challenge, I guess, is when you, like, if you can just pull up and leave a church and, and leave all of those connections behind as though they're, they're nothing. I mean, what does that say? Yeah. What does that say about how, not only how you view those relationships, but but how you view your relationship in Christ, yeah. and and what what's that look like? Like, it, it honestly, Dave, it just blows my mind that you could go to a church for four or five years and have deep, you know, or or even just relatively good relationships there, and then all of a sudden one day over the course of maybe a couple weeks, you don't like what your pastor is preaching about this. And you say, all right, you know what? I think we're out of here. And that's not to say you don't never transition churches, but my goodness. I mean, I think there's many good times to transition churches and maybe people wait way too long to do that sometimes, unfortunately. But I mean, when you leave, do you just leave those relationships behind? Like, I think, so we did that last, last year during COVID. We attended a local church here in Nampa. But then we felt that we wanted to be part of E3 Church, 
um, and in Cuna. So it was about, about 15, 20 minutes away. Um, I have like, I love the relationships that we have in both churches. Like we regularly hang out with people in both churches. Like that's, that's just a part of our lives. Like it's not even a thought that, Oh, you're part of that church. And then you're part of this church. So maybe we just don't hang out as much. Like, I, I don't know. Maybe you could speak to that because I could be here yeah. all day. Yeah. It's a, it's a loaded, right? That's it's like a loaded. I, I just don't get comment. it. Yeah. I well, don't get it. it. Our, our West, once again, I feel like we're always hating on Western culture. I'm, it's probably a human problem in that, you know, how many, even these type of questions, what did you think of worship today? Did you like the pastor's sermon? Did you like the music today? Did you, you know, like all of these very me centered questions, even when it comes to like corporate worship. Yeah. And I think probably we have trained a whole group or generation to be very like, um, church is a commodity almost. So you, you want to go to the place where they have the best one of these and where the, the kids' ministry is just so, and there's 14 kids from ages 12 to 18 that your teenager can play with, and uh, you love the songs that so-and-so sings, or you love the organ, or you love that they don't use the organ, or you like the pastor's delivery style. There's just so much there for us, you know? Yep. And, yep. of course, taken too far... My point is, it seems like we've become very me-centered in some of these things. And the same thing goes with leaving. If church is just a commodity, there's no understanding of, I'm, oh, I'm, I'm pulling myself out of one of these visible bodies, which is part of the great visible body, yeah. the church on earth. Like, I don't think, I think that should be a pretty serious, intentional move that considers loving people uh, pretty deeply. I mean, you think about donating a kidney, all right? You think about, like, with the thought process you go through, okay, hey, I'm going to have to give that quite a bit of thought before I just decide to do it. Now, if it's someone close to me and I know it can make a difference, all right, yeah, bam, let's let's do it. But you think of it as something as simple as that, and then, but but you think of, like, when it's in the context of, of like, the body of Christ, I mean, <laughs> when you just pick up and you leave and you just cut off relationships, yeah. this is another thing I think is is the whole idea of like ghosting right yeah just ghosting people i mean that that happens in and outside the church but you just you're in relationship with someone and then all of a sudden it's yeah. like oh you know they're no longer you know allowed to see your timeline things like that yeah. now, fortunately, behold I, how they ghost one another behold yeah. how they ghost one another right i mean <laughs> It's yeah. just weird. It, it's it's strange to me, and and I say that truthfully as not you know I have no thought of an example in mind as as I share this, but just as a general observation that that this last year, I feel like has, has revealed in the, in the church at large, that that this is something that has become acceptable for Christians to do, and I'm just thinking like if you really think about the Christian life as not just this thing that you do on Sunday, but again, it's everyday life, every day, yeah. Monday through Friday. We don't really care about the Saturday people, right? Just Monday <laughs> through Friday, Friday living. Um, that, that, that can't help but change the way that you think. Okay. Just a simple little thing. Like yesterday I was doing uh, announcements at church, right? And our, our um, motto for church is engage, equip, empower. Love that. Just simple, straight to the point engaging culture, equipping them, empowering them to, to do the work of the ministry. That's awesome. We can do that in so many different ways. And so yeah. during the summertime, lots of people go on vacation, you have different things, you know, you just, it is what it is. And you go through, you know, especially like July, I, we're in the States now, July 4th, not July 1st. I have to get my mindset right. Not Canada Day. Um, but you, you, getting this mindset. And I think sometimes maybe this is helpful for Christians that might be going through this, where you're going through months of travel or different things, like you're a teacher and now you're out doing this. It's so easy to just kind of pull back and say, okay, you know what? Those relationships at church are important, but on the same hand, I'm just going to check out for like a month or two. I mean, my encouragement would be, is like, if you're actually a part of the body, even if you go away for a month, are you actually checking in with people? Like, do you care? Like, do you text your pastor and say, man, like, how are things going? Like, like do you care enough about others that it's yeah. not just your thing, your, your deal? And Yeah, I mean, 
it's a body, right? Can yeah. You imagine if part of your body was just like, hey, I'm going to take two months off. It'll yeah. probably be fine. Like yeah. that. That's the reason why the metaphor is so powerful. Uh, yeah. I, I, there's so many thoughts here. I mean, you're talking about ghosting people within the body of Christ, you know, their your great love for one another, your supernatural love. Because the truth is, when we have these moments of conflict, the response, you know, this like fight or flight, like yep. ghosting is a perfectly natural fleshly thing to do. And I'm not talking about good boundaries. There's some some relationships. Shout out to Henry Cloud, yes. Yeah, okay. So we're not talking about that. We're talking about when you shouldn't fight or flight, but you should lean in to a relationship and for the good of an, another person. And I would argue for the mutual benefit. Yes. The reciprocal that, that's benefit. Very key. I, I think that you mentioned that because that you go, you, you, you reconcile learn. or you, yes, you go, you, you, you fix things at the right time in the right way to what measure they can be dealt with. I mean, that's, that's what happens in a family. It should happen in a family. That's what happens. It should happen in the body of Christ. Yeah. Like I use this simple analogy. I mean, aside from really whacked out crazy people, I mean, I've heard, heard a story recently in our church where just someone had a neighbor and they were just crazy. Like some of the things yeah. they did. And it's just like, okay, you're pretty much never going to reconcile that relationship unless God does yeah. something amazing because they're just crazy. Yeah. And then boundaries, <laughs> um, boundaries. Yeah. Boundaries. Right. But I think in general, our lives, we should not have a relationship where we would avoid that person at the grocery store. Yep. That, that, that's my, my general take at it. And when you're walking down the aisle now, they, they might talk a lot. So maybe it, maybe you have a relationship or two like that. Um, but in general, like you wouldn't have one person that you would say, Oh, you know what? I want to avoid them because what we might discuss, I don't want to go there. I just, I, I, that does not make sense to me to be a follower of Christ and to have those kind of no go areas where you just say, you know what? That's, that's just not, you know, that, they, I know they're a part of the body of Christ, but not, you know, not to the extent that Jesus would view them. Um, mm -hmm. My view is just, you know, matters more than how, how Christ would view them. And I just think of this, I'm kind of dumb when it comes this way, but I just think of simple analogies, like, right, like how, and I think I maybe shared this one time or two before, but I just thought of this often. I think I thought of this when I was pastoring in Toronto, like how weird would it be to get to heaven and spend eternity with God and be like, you know, boarded next to another person, right? You know, I, boarding is probably a wrong term when it comes to heaven, but you're, you're housed next to another person who's like, in my case, another local pastor, right? And it's your first time really actually meeting and experiencing great relationship. Meanwhile, you had lived like five minutes away from each other on earth for years, but you never for whatever reason, you know, you allowed those theological differences or boundaries to keep you apart. And, and I think that just, that's a dumb illustration, but you think of like simple things like in the church, how, how we can just allow slight little differences to build just tiny areas of disconnect so that we go to church, we spend time, but we could just kind of check out. And for me, again, this is just personally, for me, when I go to church, this is how, how I try to approach it. I want to hear from God, but I also want to connect with someone in a meaningful way. Yeah. It's like Sunday. Um, I think of two things in particular. Like I was just sitting there. No, three things. I was sitting there and then the per people behind us intentionally saying, man, hi, my name is Ezra. What's, and then we went into a conversation and, oh, they live in the area. That's great. And then I think of another lady um, just kind of, again, kind of sense God saying, hey, track her down and just kind of see how her, how her week's been going. When how are you doing? Things like that. And then that evolved into another conversation with someone. Now, all of three of those things took initiation, but I, I was so much like more edified and rewarded because of it. And yeah. It turns out like when you put other people first, like, cause I mean, depending on your personality, it might be easier to like not open your door to conversation as it was. Oh, that's me. Or I'm, to, I'm an introvert to seek, to, yeah. to seek them out. Right. Yep. And so, to do that uh, is a reflection of the Spirit's work in you, as go do that. And, uh, but on the backside of it, also the blessing of, hey, that w in that moment, that was God's work for you. Mm. Like, you know, way to go, son. You did exactly what I told you to do. And that person was blessed. Because, I mean, that's, 
that's how the body should function, right? And so I think that kind of supernatural love will be the measure going forward. I mean, you, well, you we've talked. you love God and not yeah. love your fellow. Well, because we've talked a lot about discipleship, and, and my view of discipleship has kind of shifted over the years, where, you know, a lot of times people think of discipleship as, okay, we're going to go through this 10-week study together or, or things like that. But I, the way I view it is is there is some value to doing things like that. There, there really is. Um, but the way I would view it now, that the most meaningful discipleship occurs when you're doing things with another person that they actually care about. Um, it's kind of why that I've shifted a little bit away from doing a bunch of coffee shop meetings. I used to do a bunch of coffee shop meetings and they're good, but you only learn so much about a person doing a coffee shop meeting. I learn way more about a person when I'm on the rink with them and I learn how they respond to pressure. Um, you know, do they, do they just wilt under the, uh, intense pressures of rec league hockey? Yes. Are they clutch? <laughs> Are they clutch? And if they're not clutch, that tells me about the level of relationship that we can have, right? Um, tells me they're probably a Red Wings fan. Oh, so. shots fired. Nah. <laughs> yeah, but but like finding things that, that people really like, and not just saying things that I like, but what are things that other people like? And then going to that point, I mean, Jesus, to fishermen, right? It's finding things that people are doing and then finding ways to link up with that and saying, okay, hey, so like another simple thing is writing, right? I've developed multiple connections through writing. And is there, there's kind of in the process, there's like mutual discipleship that happens because we talk through the process of writing, but then in the context of like faith, what's that look like? And and I just feel like the conversations, because we're involving finances, we're involving career, all this stuff, they become so much more meaningful than all right, let's just get together and discuss Matthew six. You know, I'm not, I'm not saying there's not a place for that, but I'm saying there's, um, when you put it into practical terms, I think that's where the gospel really comes alive. Yeah. And I think, I think you point out something maybe in a tertiary way that just getting a bunch of information, well, now I understand the structure of Matthew and now I do this. And now I think there's a danger for a lot of, you know, go do your homework on your own and then come back here. Yep. It just, that that kind of discipleship, getting all the information, then getting aggravated when someone doesn't say it quite right. Well, and often that form often appeals to the wrong types of people. Yeah, the, I think that type of education, to, to kind of point out what uh, uh, Christofferson, Jeff Christofferson mm-hmm. said. Yeah, it was a great the interview. The danger, it, education minus being radically committed yes. to a local church produces like really arrogant people that are so eager to like, uh, copy a five second snippet out of your one hour conversation and hold you over the fire for it. Yep. When, if you listen to the full hour, you're like, now this person sounds pretty orthodox to me. We don't agree about everything, but man, you could tell like Chan was saying the spirit of God is working through them and they, they don't tolerate sin and they're following Christ and they're plugged into a local church. Um, I think that type of Bible study as you do things together as we're designed to do. I think that's how the body grows. I think that's how individuals within the body grow. Yeah. No, I I couldn't agree more with that. Just building healthy relationships. I just, I I think, think that is, that is so key. And here's what I just challenge. If you're listening to this, watching this, whatever you're doing, um, send us an email. Ezra at the money Christian.com is an easy way to get a hold of me or Dave at the money Christian.com. Um, and let us know the things that connect. That's one of the things that we want to do with this podcast is we want to actually like bring you stuff that you care about. So if there are questions that you have topics that you have, I mean, I'll just tell you some of the ones that we're bringing down, down the road to you, um, conversations on gay marriage, how do Christians handle that, uh, a racial equality. Uh, social justice issues. We've talked about certainly um, um, ones such as abortion in the past. How does a Christian uh, view that? Um, the poor. How, how do you how do you care for the poor among you? Spiritual disciplines. Spiritual. Yeah. Like how do you live a disciplined life? And what does that look like? Worship, not just in the context of home, but corporate worship. Dave has a lot to say on things like that. We want to bring a lot of different things to you, but give us feedback and kind of let us know where we can change, grow and, 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 uh, improve, change, grow and improve. There you go. Yeah. Three step CG, process. CGI. 
<laughs> so my my comment maybe would be, um, I I've been I've sensed God's blessing over the last few months in my own life personally just by chatting with the guests, chatting with you as, and uh, I'm very humbled by that. And uh, just to our audience, I would say um, we are really interested in transformation uh, by the Spirit. And so I hope you don't go away thinking, wow, that was a really cool interview. Um, Or even the next step, which would be, that was a cool interview. I'm going to go buy that person's book or listen to their podcast or or ingest their content. Just for information's sake. Yeah, I, I think... It, the, the goal is transformation, yep. and it's not to pull you away from your local body, but as you, as you grow, I, we pray that you are using uh, your gifts uh, in, in the body, within the body, as God has gifted you, and also that you, even if you're young, you're not, it's not too early to start thinking about how are we training those who train others? How are we, mm. how are we raising, not just looking to people ahead of us on the journey saying, how do we emulate their walk? Or, or hanging out with people that we're running with, so to speak. But how do we help those that are still young in the faith grow together yeah. as the body of Christ? That's, what, that's my passion for what we're doing. Yep. Well, as they say in the show business, well said. So, that's, well, uh, Dave. Well, Dave. <laughs> that sounds like a good way to close and a good way, yeah, good way to open and a good way to close, so... Yeah. As, you, as you can see at the Money Christian Podcast, we're very big on professionalism and uh, yes. eliminating any excess jargon yeah. that we that That's we can we to, to just bring you the absolute best quality product that we can. So yeah, and hockey. We also too much hockey. Yeah, professionalism yeah. and hockey. That's basically our niche. Well, well, niche. definitely more to come. The deeper that Montreal goes into the playoffs, and and if they oh, um, if on, they dude. if they diminish then uh, that's, all this talk will quickly go away. All so. that, that ship is going to sink, and it's just going to be worse the longer they stay in. Let's be <laughs> honest. You know it to be true. <laughs> all right, well, that does it for this week's edition of the Money Christian Podcast. Back again at it next week. Again, like I said, leave us a message, Ezra at themoneychristian.com uh, or Dave at themoneychristian.com, and let us know different, even if you have guests or ideas of things you'd like to bring on the podcast, that would be awesome. Another thing that you can do is you can support us um, simply through our podcast channel. There's a link at the bottom of this podcast uh, page that you can just click. Very simple. I mean, you can do $1. I think you can do like a dollar, $3, five bucks a month, just simple things like that. And basically what that does is it allows us to be able to take care of some of the editing fees, hosting fees, things like that. Basically just helps, um, yeah, helps us maintain ground without you know, spending a lot of money out of pocket each month. So thank you so much. Talk to you all again and next week. You've been listening to the Monday Christian Podcast, the program that helps you put into action the truth of God's word that you hear on Sunday to your everyday life on Monday. For more info on this program, simply visit our website, themondaychristian.com. That's themondaychristian.com. 